While the Obama administration worked to hide the Orlando jihadists' allegiance to ISIS, and Hillary Clinton labored very hard to avoid criminal investigation over her email scandal, Donald Trump was busy detonating yet another bombshell inside his own campaign headquarters, because that's what the man does. On Monday morning, the campaign announced that campaign manager Corey Lewandowski, who was arrested a couple of months ago for simple battery on campaign reporter Michelle Fields by police before prosecutors decided not to move forward, they announced he was now out. Here was the Trump statement, obviously dictated by the Donald with his usual flair, but released by spokeswoman Hope Hicks, quote, The Donald J. Trump campaign for president, which has set a historic record in the Republican primary, having received almost 14 million votes, has today announced that Corey Lewandowski will no longer be working with the campaign. The campaign is grateful to Corey for his hard work and dedication, and we wish him the best in the future, unquote. Hicks, of course, had a longstanding beef with Lewandowski, and she wasn't the only one. Apparently, Kremlin-connected hire Paul Manafort also could not stand Lewandowski, and he's now taking over the campaign like it's Crimea. Nobody else could stand Lewandowski either. Here's what Trump's senior campaign advisor Michael Caputo tweeted, Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> Ouch. All of this is certainly a change. Trump had defended Lewandowski strenuously. He said he was innocent. He said he would not fire somebody with a beautiful wife and beautiful children. He talked up Lewandowski's bravery in saving his life from Michelle Field's little pen bomb. The decision to throw his hands-on campaign manager under the Trump train came rather suddenly, apparently. NBC News reported a Trump staffer called it, quote, bedlam in the Trump campaign. No one knows what is happening. <laughs> Another campaign source told Time reporter Zeke Miller, quote, no one knows what's going on. Reporters quickly poured in that Ivanka Trump was behind the Lewandowski hit. Apparently, according to NBC News' Katie Turr, quote, Ivanka had been particularly unhappy with Lewandowski and has felt that way for months. The Michelle Fields incident put her over the top, but it took time for her and the family to convince Trump he needed to dump Lewandowski. While he was winning, there was no need to change. There are also rumors, by the way, that Lewandowski had attempted to drop nasty stories about Ivanka's husband in the press to move him out of the campaign. Unofficial Trump Pravda, Breitbart News, spun the Lewandowski firing this way in an exclusive from the Trump campaign. Quote, the campaign manager seemed to have run out of ideas when the New York City developer asked Lewandowski what he would do to turn things around. The only thing he could come up with was for Trump to announce his pick for vice president. Pitching that as the solution seals his face, said the source. The VP pick was the one piece of suspense that would make people tune into the convention. Corey wanted to give that away now. There was no way. When the time came for Trump to lower the axe, no one spoke up to defend. Sad, sad, Corey Lewandowski. Smallest violins in the world to play in. This is another indicator. The Trump campaign is now in slow motion implosion. They've spent this many, zero dollars, in campaign swing states, even though Hillary has dumped $23 million in ads there so far. They have 30 campaign staffers. Hillary Clinton has 700. Bloomberg News reported on Monday, Monday thusly, quote, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump is gathering his top lieutenants, including members of his family in New York on Monday, to discuss a political strategy shift as he looks to move beyond recent missteps. Trump is facing pressure from within his own inner circle, including from donors, who are growing increasingly frustrated with what they see as a lack of coordination and communication. Members of Trump's staff told Bloomberg Politics at a crucial moment in the presidential race. These rumors are well-founded. CNN reported on Monday, Republican donors were, quote, rattled by Trump. One GOP donor said, this isn't a triage-type situation. This is a massive full-body surgery-type deal, and we just don't have that much time. Politico reported last week the RNC gave Trump 20 names of big donors to call and hit up for cash. Trump called three. Then he got bored, and he quit calling. <laughs> yes, Trump has big trouble, and those troubles come directly 
from the top. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so we have a brand new sponsor on board. We want to say hello to Ring.com. Folks, there's a home burglary every 13 seconds. I don't know about you. I am super paranoid about home invasion and home burglary. Maybe it's just because I am the target of so many threats all the time. But I, uh, but I, do, I do worry about this sort of stuff uh, on, on, in an irregularly serious way. Most of these home burglaries, though, don't happen when you're at night and you're at home and they break in and they're trying to kill you. Most happen in broad daylight and a burglar rings your doorbell to make sure that you're away before they break in. That's why you need Ring Video Doorbell. Ring Video Doorbell has been proven to stop burglaries before they happen. It allows you to see, speak to anyone approaching your door using your smartphone. Ring uses their advanced motion detection technology to protect your entire property with the Ring of Security kit. So the kit includes a Ring Video Doorbell to the front door and a Ring stick-up cam and the wireless weatherproof HD camera to keep an eye on other parts of your property. So what they do is they actually hook this up to your doorbell, basically, and they hook that up to your phone. So if somebody rings your doorbell, immediately the camera is set off and you can see who's at your front door. So you know whether to open it or not. You know whether somebody's at your front door. And now, obviously, they have these devices that monitor your entire property so that anywhere you are, you don't have to be at home. If someone rings your doorbell, you now have the person on tape and you know whether somebody is trying to invade your home, which is a pretty cool thing. The radio ring video doorbell and stick-up cam, they both install in minutes. And working together, they provide 24-7 monitoring of your entire home, whether you're in the living room or thousands of miles away. This obviously, you know, as I say, I worry about this stuff. My wife really worries about this stuff on a serious level. Uh, We have a front gate, and our cameras cover the front gate, but not well enough. Ring makes sure that if somebody pulls up, I'm at least alerted to the fact that there's somebody there. Because right now, I just have a passive camera on the front gate. So if somebody pulls up and they look at the front gate, I have to be standing by the camera in order to see what's going on. Ring immediately notifies you that there is someone there in the first place. For a limited time, my listeners get $50 off the Ring of Security Kit. It's the lowest price anywhere. Go to ring.com slash Ben right now. That's ring.com slash Ben. There are already hundreds of thousands of people using Ring. Go to ring.com slash Ben. You get 50 bucks off ring.com slash Ben. And welcome to the Ben Shapiro Show, ring.com advertisers. That's exciting. Okay, so... Lots going on in the world. So there's stuff that Donald Trump should be talking about today, and then there's stuff that Donald Trump is talking about today. So the stuff he is talking about today, the Lewandowski thing. So Corey Lewandowski, after months and months of being told that Corey Lewandowski was the greatest man who ever lived, a true American hero who saved Donald Trump from 90-pound Michelle Fields and her little pen bomb by reaching from behind and grabbing her hard enough to bruise her, Donald Trump said he was a wonderful man. Great job, Corey. Did a wonderful job, Corey. Now, Corey Lewandowski has been fired. He's been dumped on the side of the road like so much trash. Basically, Donald Trump did the the Carlo routine to Lewandowski from The Godfather. Remember, Carlo is the brother-in-law who is uh, who's responsible for Sonny's killing. And Michael says, "Don't you're still part of the family business. We're going to send you to Las Vegas, but you're never to talk to us again. We're never going to see you again. And then they take him out to the car and they strangle him. That was basically Corey Lewandowski. So Corey Lewandowski, they said, well, you know, don't worry, Corey. You'll always be part of the get." <laughs> And there comes the Garrett from the back, and, and Corey Lewandowski's feet are kicking out the front windshield, and it's just unpleasant all the way around. So Corey Lewandowski couldn't happen to a nicer guy. You can tell that Corey Lewandowski is well-liked when literally zero people came out to defend Corey Lewandowski. And all of the Trump people who were saying that Corey Lewandowski was really like a World War II Normandy hero for saving Donald Trump, now they're faced with the odd prospect of having to side with their god king, Donald Trump, and firing Corey Lewandowski. Things just got super awkward. And uh, and again, it just shows the 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 chaos that's broken out inside the Trump campaign. Now, what's what's really irritating about all of this? There are people like me who have been saying for a long time that Trump can't run a campaign, that Trump is a crap show, that he is a 
poop tornado. You know, I've been saying this for a long time, but what's really irritating is that never, ever in my lifetime has the Democratic Party been quite this vulnerable. So today, the FBI, at the behest of the Obama administration, released a partial transcript, a partial transcript of the Orlando jihadists' call to 911. So you remember he went into the Pulse nightclub, this gay nightclub, and while he's shooting it up, he calls 911 to leave a message. And the attorney general, who is, as, as Andrew Claven likes to say, the creepiest person in America, Loretta Lynch, she was on the Sunday shows, and she said that they're, they're only going to release a partial transcript of the Orlando 911 call. So here's what she had to say about the transcript. As was noted, because no purchases were made, no ID was gathered, no identifying information was available beyond the information which was recorded and which was kept. That is exactly what that gun shop owner should have done, and we thank and commend him for that. He then realized, after, of course, the tragic <coughs> events of last weekend, exactly who had been in his, sh in his shop and called FBI. And again, we were able to put those pieces together. Because no purchase was made, there was nothing to identify who it was. There was nothing to, to say a name or an address. But again, we are asking everyone to look back at any contact they've had with this killer and do what this gun shop owner did and report it to he us. He did. Okay, so a couple of things. So first, so this is, so before we get to the partial transcript, this is the attorney general blaming the gun shop owner who wouldn't sell this guy ammo, right? She's saying, well, if he had an ID, then maybe we could have followed up or something. Well, it turns out every gun shop I've been in, I've been in a fair number, all of them have cameras. You know why they have cameras? Because in many states, it's actually mandated by law they have cameras. And even in the other states, they want to make sure that they can help out if somebody who bought a gun turns out to be a bad guy. So the FBI never even followed up with this gun shop. Like now she's claiming, oh, they didn't provide an ID. And that's the real problem. Of course, they didn't provide an ID. He didn't provide an ID. They didn't sell him anything, but they probably had him on tape, gang. Where was the FBI checking out the tape? Nowhere, nowhere. But she says, nonetheless, the FBI did everything it could to stop the Orlando terrorist. Here's Loretta Lynch saying the FBI did everything it possibly could have done to stop the terrorist. Did the FBI, they, they had investigated him twice, had talked to him three times. In the course of those investigations, did the FBI learn about his long history of violent behavior? Well, I can't go into the specifics of everything that they learned. Um, but in, in fact, he was under investigation once because he was making alarming statements and his co-workers did report that information, which again is exactly what they should have done. And what I mean, he was under investigation twice. To right. do. Actually, he was under investigation himself for his own statements. And that investigation took some time. And at the time, the FBI did everything it could to see was he about to carry out anything. This is about uh, two years ago. Uh, and I can assure you that had he indicated he was gonna take action, that they would have stayed on that investigation. They determined that he was at the time making statements. He then came on the radar again in the context of another investigation, mm -hmm. another Florida man who traveled to Syria, blown himself up in connection with a suicide bombing attempt, had a connection to the killer. And so he was interviewed along with other people who knew that other individual and so to she, so determine what connections he had. Wonderful job the FBI did. And she does it in the preternaturally calm, creepy voice that, that she does. Like it's. It's amazing how calm she is about the fact that the FBI just blew it and 50 Americans got blown away. And she's like, oh, well, the FBI, they just did everything they possibly could. And I'll give you all the details of the investigation that they did. And I'll ignore the fact that Disney World called and told people to be on the lookout or that this gun shop called us and the FBI didn't follow up. All of this is predicate to her explaining that they're now going to release the transcript of the Orlando 911 call. But they're not going to release the entire transcript. They can't do that. They're not going to release the entire transcript. Why, pray tell? Here's Loretta Lynch being super creepy. 
including the hostage negotiation part of this? Uh, yes, program. it will be primarily his, a, a partial transcript of his calls with the hostage negotiators. You say partial. What's being left out? Well, what we're not going to do is further proclaim this individual's pledges of allegiance to terrorist groups and further his propaganda. So we're not going to hear him talk about those things? We will hear him talk about some of those things, but we're not going to hear him make his assertions of allegiance in that. This will not be audio. This will be a printed transcript, but it will begin to capture the back and forth between him and the negotiators. We're trying to get as much information about this investigation out as possible. As you know, because the killer is dead, we have a bit more leeway there, and so we will be producing that information tomorrow. Okay, this is fully insane. So what she's saying is we know exactly what it says on the tape. We have the full tape. We're not going to release the tape because the tape, you know, if we release the tape, he might actually sound like, I don't know, like a radical Muslim, and he might be like, like a jihadi who wanted to go shoot people. So we can't do that. We're not going to release the full tape. We're not even going to release a full transcript. Instead, we're going to release a partially redacted transcript that doesn't contain full information about to whom he was pledging his allegiance. Right? We can't do that. Why can't we do that? Well, the FBI chief came out today and said, we can't do that because it would cause more terrorism. Well, that, that's, that's what he said. So, okay, so I want to read to you the transcript that was released. And this is just, it's truly amazing. It's truly amazing. So she said, we're not going to, pro she said, we're not going to further proclaim this individual's pledges of allegiance to terrorist groups and further his propaganda. So they're doing their own propaganda. Now, remember, this isn't the first time that the Obama administration has gone full George Orwell on reality. The State Department, we talked about this a week and a half ago, the State Department took out a section from a briefing on Iran that was unflattering. So they just chopped it out and put it on the side. A few months ago, we talked about this too. The White House released a transcript and, and a translation of Francois Hollande, the French president, visiting the United States when he used the phrase Islamist, Islamist not even Islamic, Islamist terrorism, they chopped it out of the, out of the transcript. And they said it, didn't, it never happened. And then later they had to apologize. So this is nothing new. They've now released the partial transcript. Here's the partial transcript. I'm, only, I'm not going to read you the part from the dispatcher because it's not important. Here's what the Orlando Jihadi had to say. Here's how they, here's how they release it. Okay, I'm first going to give you how they, what he actually said, and then I'm going to give you what, how, they, how they released it. So he says... In the name of Allah, the merciful, the beneficial. And he does this in Arabic. Here's how they released that. In the name of God, the merciful, the beneficial. And he says, praise to Allah and prayers as well as peace be upon the prophet of Allah. I let you know I'm in Orlando and I did the shootings. Right? Here's how they released that. Praise be to God and prayers as well as peace be upon the prophet of God. And then he says, my name is, I pledge allegiance to ISIS. Here's how they released this. My name is, I pledge allegiance to omitted. They blank it out, right? He says, I pledge allegiance to al-Baghdadi, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, it's the head of ISIS. I pledge allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. May Allah protect him on behalf of ISIS. Right? And the, here's how they release that. I pledge allegiance to omitted. May God protect him on behalf of omitted. Right? This is how they released it today. So there are a couple things that are really worth noting here that are completely amazing. First, everyone on the planet knows that omitted equals ISIS. Everyone knows this, right? There are only two reasons to cut this out. One is to provide political cover for the FBI because it's clear they should have had an eye on this guy. It's clear he was a jihadi. It's clear he'd been a jihadi for literally years and that they let him go. And the second is to provide political cover for their push for gun control. Because if they actually were to, for example, take seriously the jihadi element here, then they would have to do that instead of pushing for my guns to be taken away from me. So they have to pretend that none of this has anything to do with ideology. The second point here, and this is truly amazing, the FBI released a translated transcript here. They say, from Arabic. And then they translate Allah as God. Right? They say, praise be to God. Now, everyone in America, everyone all over the world knows 
If you're translating from Arabic, we all know what Allah means. It's not like, you're, you're, it's, not like it's a word that we don't understand the meaning of, of Allah. We all know what Allah means. But there's a serious debate about whether Allah of radical Islamists is the same as the God worshipped by Jews and Christians. Right? The Judeo-Christian God is not quite the same as the radical Muslim God. And it's certainly not the same as the jihadis God. But for the left, they have to lump them all together. We all worship the same monotheistic God. And therefore, this is really just an outgrowth of evil right-wing religion. Right? It's not an outgrowth of Islam. It's, it's an outgrowth of evil right-wing religion. So they have to pretend that Allah and the Judeo-Christian God are identical. And they have to link radical Islam with Christianity and Judaism. That's the point. And, and let's be real about this for a second. If this guy had pledged allegiance to the National Rifle Association and Jesus, is there, any, is there any doubt they would have left that in? Is there any doubt at all? I'm old enough to remember when there was a guy who went and shot up a Planned Parenthood, tried to shoot up a Planned Parenthood. They released the full transcript of everything this nut job had to say. And he was a complete nut, right? And they released everything. It was babbling garbage nonsense. They released the entire thing. But here you have a pretty well-stated Pledge of Allegiance to ISIS using their magic formulas. And there they have to make sure that they don't include that in the, in the transcript. They have to make sure they don't include that in the transcript. And again, the reason that they don't want to include that is because they need to go after the guns. And if they recognize that this was all about radical Islam, this was all about jihadism, and it had nothing to do really with the guns, they can't push for gun control. Loretta Lynch wants to push for gun control, so she'll censor it. So here's Loretta Lynch pushing for gun control. She says we need to stop individuals from getting guns. Um... Is this a concern of yours? We're extremely grateful that in crafting this legislation, Congress took into account those concerns that the director expressed over a year ago and that we in law enforcement all have. Obviously, we want to be able to have the tools we need to stop individuals from obtaining guns who should not have them. But we also need to have a process consistent with the law to protect ongoing investigations and protect sensitive matters. And this amendment does give the Department of Justice both of those tools. Okay, so now they're going to push for gun control, right? We need all the tools at our disposal, and those tools require, require us to be able to go after the terror watch list, and they require us to be able to take everybody's guns away. That's what we really need to do right now. That's what we really need to do. So you would think that this would be a perfect opportunity to go after the Obama administration, right? Go after Hillary Clinton, who agrees with all of this. The NRA chief, Wayne LaPierre, he says, what's obvious here, this gun control stuff is meant to divert attention away from the fact that Obama and the Obama administration have ignored jihadism and they don't care about it. Here is, here's Wayne LaPierre. I mean, we all mourn for what happened, John, but we faced a terrorist challenge where they are on the verge of overwhelming us. What happened this past week is the president, the whole gun ban movement said, hey, don't look at terrorists. Look over here. Divert your attention. Take your eyes off the problem because they don't want to face the embarrassment of their failure in this terrorist area and they want to cover their butts and not talk about it. You can't save the country with politics. The politically correct policy of the White House are intruding right now in military, terrorism, law enforcement. It's all being politicized with the politically correct White House nose and fingers in areas they don't belong. And that's, now let's start with a terrorist watch list. Okay, so he's exactly right here. He says, you know, we need to, we need to focus here on what really matters. Let's stop focusing on the guns. Let's focus on the, the actual jihadism that's inherent here. And let's make sure the FBI is doing its job. Maybe we should redact the FBI's pay until they do their job. Right? That would actually be so. This would be a perfect moment for Donald Trump, right? A perfect moment because what does he do? He rails against political correctness. He rails against the political correctness that allows jihadism to creep into the United States. He did it last week beautifully. He gave a speech at the beginning of last week that was the best speech. I said it. Best speech he's given the entire campaign, his entire career, right? 
Instead, we get Donald Trump doing what Donald Trump does, which is screwing things up. And this is the problem with Trump. Every time you think that Trump is really squared up to, to, to punch somebody really hard, he immediately punches himself right in the balls. I mean, he just has no capacity to, to focus his attack. So that doesn't mean he can't say some things that are, that are smart. So let's do clip eight here. This is what Donald Trump should have been focusing on this week. Here's Donald Trump talking about profiling this week. I think profiling is something that we're going to have to start thinking about as a country, and other countries do it. And you look at Israel, and you look at others, and they do it, and they do it successfully. And, you know, I hate the concept of profiling, but we have to start using common sense, and we have to use, you know, we have to use our heads. Uh, you know, I see people that, uh, and I've seen it recently, we had a, a case where, you know, very much, you know, in, in my case, where we had... <coughs> We had tremendous numbers of people coming into a speech I was making, and, you know, people that obviously had no guns, had no weapons, had no anything, and they were being, they were going through screening, and they were going through the same, the same, uh, you know, scrutiny, the absolute same scrutiny as somebody else that looked like it could have been a possible person. So uh, we really have to look at profiling. We have to look at it seriously. And other countries do it, and it's not the worst thing to do. I hate the concept of profiling, but we have to use common sense. We're not using common sense. Okay, all of that is exactly right. And this is what he should have been hitting all week long. And he should have been saying, why are you redacting things that we all know? We all know what's under the redactions, under that omitted sign. We know what's there. This should be Trump's wheelhouse. My God, if a story was ever created for Donald Trump to hit with both fists, it is this story, right? It's totally crazy. And, and, the, and the media know it. The media know it. Bill Maher over the weekend. He says Trump is right. Obama does sound more angry at Trump than he does at the shooter. Here's Bill Maher over the weekend. Letting them become a Except representative. That, here's the one thing that Trump said this week that made a little sense to me. He said... When I, I listened to Obama today, and he sounded madder at me than the shooter, uh, couldn't we just address the big elephant in the room, which is the shooter, before we go right to elephant but trying, phobia? But trying to yes. address the shooter as a product of Islam is like, as I said before, trying to address the priest who abuses children as a product of Christianity. But that's but not and By the way, let me the say, I've been married for 50 that's years. I've got to get this in, and yeah, I agree with do. everything you just said. <laughs> but you, you so love your, and you love, okay. <laughs> okay, and, but Bill Maher goes on to suggest, no, that, that Trump is basically right here, and you guys, and, he's, and what he's saying is practical. Right? What he's saying is practical. This is this is right, right? All of this is right. This is where Trump should be hitting back hard, and the media couldn't do anything about it. Most Americans agree. There should be, when he says racial profiling, he's wrong. It's behavioral profiling is what the Israelis use. The, the, the Israelis look at a list of criteria, and then they determine whether they think somebody's a threat. If somebody is, is an Arab, but they're a Bedouin, then they get less scrutiny than if they're an Arab who's a Muslim who goes to a terror-connected mosque, right? Israel actually goes through a list of behavioral specifications, and then they profile according to that. So does everybody else in law enforcement. They're just, too, they're, they're just too politically correct to admit it. Trump would be on good ground there, right? He would be on good ground there. But Trump can't help himself. He can't help himself. And so let's go back to now clip. This would be clip six. Donald Trump, right, he, he can't help himself. He says over the weekend that he wants to, if you're on a terror watch list, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. I want to just find out their thinking because what I want, and I know what they want, they want it as much as anybody in the world. They want to make sure that terrorists don't get guns. 
and I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. But is it your position that if you're on that terror watch list, if you're on that no-fly list, you should not be able to buy a gun? I'd like to see that, and I'd like to say it, and it's simpler. It's just simpler. Now, yeah. but what they say, and I understand that also, is the Second Amendment, they're depriving them of those rights, and that it could be that people are on there that shouldn't be on, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to make sure that people that are terrorists or have even an inclination toward right. terrorism cannot buy weapons, guns. Could you get the NRA to budge on this? Because they've had a firm, they're against this idea. Well, uh, and, well I, and, and, you're, and you're obviously pro-Second Amendment, nobody doubts pro that. pro-Second so maybe... Amendment and I'm pro-NRA, and you know, they gave me, I think, the earliest endorsement they've yeah. ever given to anybody. Uh, I'll talk to them. And by the way, they have, I understand exactly what they're saying. You know, a lot of people are on the list that, that really maybe shouldn't be on the list, and you know, their rights are being taken away, so I understand that. Okay, so... He's saying that he's trying to, to bridge the gap here with the NRA, but he's saying something. He's saying exactly what Hillary Clinton is saying. If you're on the terror watch list, then you have to be prevented from getting a gun. And now he's forcing the NRA into this defensive position. Here's the NRA's Chris Cox. Now, again, we could all be on the same page or we could all be on the same page. This is so easy. This isn't about the terror watch list. This is about the FBI needs to do its job and the FBI needs to look at radical jihadis and they need to take a serious look and they need to keep monitoring them and they can't let them go and they can't pretend that they didn't see them. But instead, we get into these internecine debates because Donald Trump is incompetent. Here's Chris Cox from the NRA. If Trump asks you to support the idea of an outright ban on sales for somebody on the no-fly list or the terrorist list, would you budge on that? Would you change your position on this? Our position is, has been the same consistently. We do but not so, think so, that so terrorists... So you, you will not change We support Senator Cornyn's approach, which is to ban... But, but, but if he asks, you're not going to change your position on this. There, there is not a difference between what Mr. Trump is saying and what the NRA's position is. That's a media-created diversion there. Okay, so again, the, 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 the Trump is unable to, to bring it together. And this is the big problem with Trump, right? So it, it should be a golden moment for Donald Trump because the Obama administration is evil on this. This is evil. The Hillary Clinton campaign repeats this nonsense ad nauseum. More Americans will die because of it. It's just terrible all the way through, but Trump has no capacity to pull it together. And it's just getting more and more and more uncomfortable. So Chris Wallace on Fox News, he has on Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, by the way, we now found out that this was not supposed to be Jeff Sessions. It was supposed to be Corey Lewandowski, who was booked for Fox News Sunday, but he'd been covertly fired and nobody wanted to tell him. So instead, it's Jeff Sessions, the senator from Alabama, on with Chris Wallace, getting grilled by Chris Wallace over his support for Trump. Question. Do you know what that something else Trump refers to that he thinks that President Obama has in mind? No, I don't. I don't know what he's referring to there, but I do believe he is correct to raise the question that the policies of this administration, from going back to 2011 when we withdrew all our troops from Iraq and allowed ISIS to form and become an entity, probably would never have happened otherwise. It's certainly not spread as much as it has. So but, I but, think he. Forgive me. Yeah. I, I just want to go through some what Trump said. He said. Either he doesn't get it or he gets it better than anyone understands. He's got something else in mind. I mean, that certainly seems to imply that somehow he is sympathetic to radical Islam. No, I don't think he means that, but I think he's going, uh, I think he's criticizing him President Obama for going too far uh, to not understanding the threat. Uh, the president and Hillary Clinton now says she wants to go from 10,000 Syrian refugees to 65,000 okay, so Syrian awkward refugees. Talk with Jeff Sessions. So more awkward talk with Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan can't stand this. Paul Ryan is looking around going, what did I get myself into here? I'm the Speaker of the House, and clearly I can't stand anything that Donald Trump is saying. And even when I can stand what Donald Trump is saying, 
He's still getting me into trouble. And so here's Paul Ryan being being grilled by Chuck Todd over his support for, for Donald Trump. And it's awkward land with with Paul Ryan. My place as as because of, again, this role I have, which I feel has very important responsibilities, is to call balls and strikes and just play it by the rules. So it is not my job to tell delegates what to do, what not to do, or to weigh in on things like that. They write the rules. They make their decisions. All I want to make sure is it's done above board, clearly, honestly, and by the rules. So I see my role now, given that he's got the plurality, he actually won, is pretty much a ceremonial position. But the last thing I'm going to do is weigh in and tell delegates what to do, how to do this. All right, but I guess, so if they decide to change the rules, and that's, which is they can do, you're comfortable with however they change the rules. You're asking the wrong person. You should ask the party. You should ask Reince Priebus. You should ask the delegates. Uh, I think the Rules Committee meets the week before. Right, like but, which, so, but if you have an opinion uh, on this, it no, matters I'm, to them. My opinion is not relevant here. I'm not going to tell the delegates how they should do their jobs because I am chair of the convention. Okay, so he's basically saying, guys, guys, secretly, if you don't vote for Trump, I'm going to be cool with that. But I can't say that because I have to unify the party because that's my job here. This is so uncomfortable. I'm going to go lift weights with my hat on backwards. That's that's what I need to do right now. And so Paul Ryan just looking super duper uncomfortable. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson from from Wisconsin, he's starting to voice the opinion that's beginning to be heard all across the fruited plain that Donald Trump cannot be the nominee because he's incompetent. He says that Trump's nomination is reasonably uncertain. This is him on CNN talking about it. It's been my intention to support the Republican nominee. And again, nobody can predict the outcome of this thing. So... I think I think things are remain reasonably uncertain. But so it's are my you endorsing to, Mr. Trump to, uh, right support. now? I intend to support the Republican nominee and certainly support the areas of agreement, growing our economy, uh, defeating ISIS, uh, strengthening our military, securing our border. I mean, those are, no two people agree 100 percent on, on everything. So I'll, I'll support the areas of agreement. OK, so he says that, he, that it's, it's not it's unsure. So, uh, there, there's this burgeoning feeling. And I'm going to talk about this for a second. There's this burgeoning feeling that Republicans may dump Trump at the convention. It's not going to happen. They're not going to dump Trump at the convention. He's going to be the nominee. They don't have the guts to pull the trigger because the reality right now is that if they were to oust Trump as the nominee, they lose 40 percent of their base, all of whom are super ticked and walk away. If they keep Trump as the nominee, they get destroyed. Donald Trump right now, according to every poll, is performing about the same as Romney did in the swing states, which is to say he's going to lose most of them. He's performing significantly worse than Romney was in all of the red states. He's now put Arizona in play. He's put Utah in play. He's running behind in Kansas. Hillary Clinton could win 400 electoral votes. And it's not because of people like me. It's because Donald Trump has no capacity to run a campaign. And this is one of the great lies of his campaign all along, was that he's this great businessman who will be able to throw things together. No, Donald Trump is good at one thing, really, one thing, and that is making headlines. And he's doing it every day. He's great at it. He's a man. He's a headline manufacturing machine, right? Right out of that that crazy gourd covered in that crazy hair come headlines every single day. Lots and lots and lots of headlines. Some are good. Some are bad. Most are crazy. It doesn't really matter. Bottom line is he has no capacity to run a campaign. So people are looking around going, why can't he organize anything? Because he was never able to organize anything. This hasn't been an organized run for the presidency. I mean, he said himself, he doesn't think that he's going to have to have people on the ground. He said he's just going to do big rallies. That's somebody who's used to branding. That's not somebody who's used to running a business. Again, he has 30 campaign staff, 30, three zero. We have more people than that, like working in this office, 30 campaign staff, right? Over the course of Hillary already has 700 people. Donald Trump said he was going to spend 600 million of his own dollars on this campaign. He has spent a grand goose egg and Hillary's already spent 23 million 
in the in the in the battleground states. So Trump has problems, but does that mean that the Republicans will stop him? No, they won't, because they're stuck in this catch-22 situation. People are already, you can see it inside the Trump campaign, people are already starting to figure, how do we spin this? If he gets just destroyed in the election, how do we, who do we blame? Who do we blame? And unfortunately, it's not too early to talk about this. If Trump loses big, the question is going to be how this breaks down for the next time. And it's, and I will say this, all you anti-establishment folks who went for Trump, you did the anti-establishment a real disservice, because if Trump loses and loses big, if he loses historically big, if he loses Barry Goldwater big, which is a possibility, if Donald Trump really gets destroyed, the establishment, the Jeb Bush types, the Marco Rubio types, they're going to come back in and they're going to say, look, we handed this to you guys. You got it. You took it. You took it from us. And now look what you did. Now look what you did. Right. We let you play in the kitchen. You turned on the oven and shoved your head inside. Now look what you did. We need the control again. And the conservatives, people like me who didn't support Trump, we're going to be standing on the sidelines going, hey, look over here. Look over here. Right. We, we didn't support Trump. The establishment like Trump more than I did, but the, but the establishment will say, yeah, but you cruise people, you and Trump were in the same anti-establishment boat. So when given the anti-establishment choice between Trump and Cruz, people chose Trump, and now they're going to have to ride that, that slow boat to China while the establishment reasserts control if Trump loses big. It's really the worst case scenario for everybody, what's, what's going on with Trump right now. And Trump knows it. I mean, he's yelling at insurgent Republicans. He's saying that, that he's very upset that people are talking about taking away his nomination and who is he attacking? He's attacking Jeb Bush, and he's attacking Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz isn't doing anything, okay? Cruz is like sitting around doing nothing with his life right now. He's making speeches in the Senate, and he's kind of running away from the media. That's, that's Ted Cruz's job right now. And as, for, the, and, and as for, for Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush seriously isn't doing anything. Jeb Bush is doing what he does during his downtime. He's unplugging. And when I say unplugging, I mean they've literally taken out his plug, and he's like C-3PO when you take out his plug. He's just sitting there in a dead slack trance, staring at a blank wall, Jeb Bush. He's not orchestrating anything. But Trump is so incapable of, of just focusing his campaign. And Hugh Hewitt came out last week. He said, well, if Trump would run a focused campaign, he could beat Hillary Clinton. Right. And if the narcoleptic puppy could stay awake, then I'm sure that it would chase that burglar out of the house. But it turns out that Trump has no capacity to do any of these things. He's just not capable of doing anything. And, he, and he's puzzled because all the people who were for him are now up against him. Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski. Well, look at Mika Brzezinski. Brzezinski was drooling all over herself for Donald Trump. People thought that Mika Brzezinski was going to be his new press secretary if Katrina Pearson ever got tired of the, of the crazy eyes. So here's Mika Brzezinski now talking about Trump. Long before this time in the process, uh, someone like Donald Trump would be not just talking to his team, but talking to foreign policy leaders, talking to uh, former politicians, talking to world leaders, reading, learning about how to couch certain statements and to be very careful about your words. And instead, he is literally still vomiting out anything he thinks at the tip of his head that he might have seen on TV and I don't know what channel recently. And it's it's pathetic, number one. It's sad for the party. It's sad for the country. And it's sad for his candidacy, which could have done so much. Well, and she's so, she, she's, she's, she loved Trump. She drove him to this. But again, Trump had, I, I wish to God that we had, this is the problem. I, I talked to, I was talking to a friend yesterday. I was saying Trump was the best puncher in the campaign, right? In the primaries, there's no question he was the best puncher. He had the most punching power. He was routinely knocking Jeb Bush off the stage, almost physically, almost bodily during the campaign. You just see Jeb standing there, and suddenly Trump would just go, boom, and, and Jeb would go flying off the stage, and there would be a Jeb-sized hole in the wall, like in a cartoon. But 
he he should be doing that to Hillary, and he's not doing it to Hillary. He's doing it to himself with the Lewandowski mess, and now with the and now and with his various comments about everything ranging from Mexican judges to President Obama being a secret Muslim to not knowing what to say about guns. Over the weekend, by the way, Donald Trump actually said something else about guns. So last week he said that he wants everyone on the terror watch list to be stopped from purchasing a gun. This weekend he said, "Okay, by the way, you remember last week when I said it would be good if people inside polls had been armed." Well, now, you know, I think that nobody should have been armed there. The only people who should have been armed were security guards. Because because somebody said to him, you want drunk people armed? And he's too stupid to say, no, I want sober people armed. So instead of him just saying, no, I want sober people armed, he says, no, nobody, nobody in the bar should be armed. Instead, what we really should have is we should have security guards, which is not what he said last week. So he's, he's just all over the place. And they're so vulnerable. Here is Hillary Clinton. And Hillary is the worst. She's the worst. Don't mistake this. Okay, my criticism of Trump is because I want him to be better at this. I want Trump not to be Trump. I want Hillary to fall into a black hole. Okay, Hillary Clinton, here's Hillary Clinton over the weekend talking about Trump and radical Islam. I mean, Hillary is just, she's the worst. She's awful. She's so terrible. She's so bad. And, and Trump can't overcome this? He can't? Really? Come on. I guess the criticism in, in his, on his part is that you're exalting niceties or political correctness over just calling something what it is, a vicious, vicious distortion of Islam. Well, look, I think Trump, as usual, is obsessed with name-calling. And from my perspective, it matters what we do, not what we say. It uh, mattered that we got bin Laden, not what name we called him. But if he is somehow uh, suggesting I don't call this for what it is, he hasn't been listening. I have clearly said that we face terrorist enemies who use Islam to justify slaughtering innocent people. We have to stop them, and we will. We have to defeat radical jihadist terrorism, and we will. Uh, and to me, radical jihadism, radical Islamism, I think they mean the same thing. I'm happy to say either, but that's not the point. All this talk and you know, demagoguery and uh, you know, rhetoric is not going to solve the problem. I'm not going to demonize and demagogue and declare war on, enti- on an entire religion. God, she's that so bad at this. Donald, just do better. She's so bad. Stop her. Stop her. She can't know. Stop her talking. She's so bad at this. She's so terrible at this. Her face opens and stupid sounds come out all the time. I'm not going to demagogue an entire religion. No one's talking about demagoguing an entire religion. We're talking about the fact that all of the devotees of radical Islam have something to do with a religion that rhymes with Sislam. Okay, this is this is not saying the entire religion is terrorist. It's saying that everybody who's a terrorist, who's serious terrorist, happens to be part of this particular religion. That doesn't mean everybody who's a part of the religion is a terrorist. This is the same argument when when idiots. This is like Hillary Clinton sitting there and saying, if we say squares are bad, right? So we have to look inside the category of rectangles to find all the squares. It's like Hillary saying, but you're saying all the rectangles are bad. No, I'm not saying all the rectangles are bad, right? Every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. You dunce. But Trump doesn't have the capacity for that. Trump is just busy being Trump. And this is the problem. Trump can't stop being Trump. No matter what he does, he can't stop being Trump. And, and the, the chaos and confusion, lack of basic skills, it's such a blown opportunity. It's gut-churning for this, for, to, for this opportunity to be blown in a magnitude this large. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. Okay, things that I like. So last night, the Cleveland Cavaliers won the championship in basketball. They won the NBA championship. And I know everybody's looking forward to the WNBA championship game. Wait, where'd everybody go? Wait, oh, yeah. No, they, they sorry, that's not a real thing. In any case, the Cleveland Cavaliers won. And uh, they came back from a 3-1 deficit to do it. All the pressure was on LeBron. All credit to LeBron. I tweeted out last night 
one Jordan to LeBron, saying Jordan is still the all-time greatest player. And some people were ticked at me, like I was trying to talk down LeBron. No, I had LeBron at like number six before. Now I have him at number two. He just he just vaulted over Kareem and Bill Russell and a bunch of other great players to get to number two. All the pressure was on him last night, and he performed. Steph Curry did not. Steph Curry barely showed up. He scored 17 points. He was four for 16 from the field or something. Um, and, uh, and, and LeBron was dominant. LeBron led both teams, both teams for the finals in points, blocks, assists, steals, and rebounds. That's insane. Every statistical category he led. He's an amazing player. He's an amazing player. Now, one quick criticism, he went out there after the game and he said, you know, sometimes God just gives you the hardest possible path. It ain't quite the hardest possible path. Okay, like you weren't playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, dude. Right? Like you came back to Cleveland after being on a team with the Heat that were good enough to be in the championship, what, four straight years? And now you come back and you or three straight years and you come back to a team that has two all-stars on it, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and a bunch of good supporting players, and then you dictate to the owner who he's going to bring in, and you get all the credit for coming back home. It's not like the toughest thing. I mean, come on. I mean, like, it's, it's tough. I'm not, I'm not denigrating your, your efforts here, but this, like, I'm sorry, like, you weren't paralyzed from the waist down. It's not like God gave you the biggest challenges. So, it's, it's, so just wanted to correct that on the record a little bit. Like, there was this whole kind of sainthood that happened when LeBron went back to Cleveland. People say, oh, what a, what a sacrifice he's making. Well, he didn't sacrifice money. He didn't, he didn't sacrifice prestige. And he didn't sacrifice a good team because the Heat stink. So, in any case, it, that doesn't denigrate his accomplishment. He's a great basketball player. Okay, time for some things. Uh, well, actually, let, let's let's pay a quick tribute to another sports figure, Vin Scully. So, Vin Scully, who's been the announcer for the, the, the L.A. Dodgers for 67 years. Last night, he was just talking about socialism in Venezuela. And right now, there are riots and people beating the crap out of each other over food, people getting killed because socialism is terrible. Here is Vin Scully destroying socialism in like four sentences in the middle of a baseball game. Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. I love the I love the the kind of just drop the reference to socialism. Just give like a, a full speech in the middle there. I can't wait for his take on the minimum wage in the middle of a game. I think it'll be fantastic. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So, Teen Vogue. I, I all these teen magazines are now basically just Cosmo light. They've decided to treat fourteen year old girls like they're nineteen year old women, and it's really gross. They have a new they have a new issue out, and the new issue is they want to teach young girls. They want to teach young girls how to choose their gender. Hey, hint, if you're a girl and you're subscribing to Teen Vogue, it's because you're a chick, right? If you're a guy and you're subscribing to Teen Vogue, it's because something, okay? But if you're a girl and you're subscribing to Teen Vogue, it's because you're a chick. So I love this. In answer to a question from a sexually confused girl who has always felt like a tomboy but was assigned female at birth, Lena Solow, who's a self-styled sex educator, enriching the minds of our youth one anonymous question about scissoring at a time. I won't even get into what that is if you have kids in the car explains how one can transcend biology and figure out their gender. She says, We're given such a simplistic way of looking at gender. On one side is man, masculine, junk, loud, bow-tie wearer. On the other is woman, feminine, lady part, demure, wears dresses. A first small step is learning the meaning of different words related to gender. And then she suggests a list of progressive buzzwords. Butch, agender, genderqueer, gender nonconforming, transmasculine, and transgender. All of these are nonsensical terms that don't really mean anything. He says, or maybe cisgender is something you identify with. Being a woman doesn't have to mean being conventionally feminine. 
even though masculinity is feeling really resonant for you right now, you might find some inspiration in exploring different expressions of femininity or femme identities. And then she asks the girl that maybe she wants to change her name or try out some different gender pronouns. Maybe you should try that out. Because nothing says to a confused teenage girl that you're going to be healthy, quite like saying that you should experiment with changing your gender pronouns and start calling yourself Bob. Nothing, nothing is going to make you mentally healthier than that. This is what the left wants to do. Whenever the left says that all this is about is the kids who are already suffering from, from gender dysphoria, it's such nonsense. They're recruiting kids to gender dysphoria. They're recruiting kids to confusion and mental illness because what they want to do is establish this broader rule that there's no such thing as gender and that gender can be chosen. And if kids have to be victimized along the way, this is what they do. Rousseau famously wrote this book called Emile, and in this book Emile, he said kids should basically just be let to, their education should be roaming free on the plains, and they should run around and learn everything for themselves. And somebody once went to him and said, oh, I've been taking you up on this. And Rousseau said, what, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Why would you do that? Like, you have to teach kids right from wrong, and not just right from wrong, you do have to teach kids aspects of identity that are important, right, who they are. In fact, what's amazing is the left will teach you, the left will teach you that a girl who is 164th Cherokee, has to be seized from her foster home and put in a Native American household, right? The, she's from the only home she's ever known, be put with relatives she's never met before based on the fact that her Cherokee identity must be re-implemented. But if she's a girl and her parents tell her she's a girl and she says, I feel like a tomboy, and say, well, that's okay. There are some girls who are tomboys. Then we have to take her out of the house and hand her over to Child Protective Services. So racial identity has to be reinforced by society but gender identity cannot be reinforced by society. You can't tell a girl that she's a girl because you might be damaging her. Nothing is more damaging to a confused girl who's just having the hormones hit than telling her you might be a guy. What, what sick nonsense? What, what, what perverse, insane nonsense? What, what damage they do to children? They don't care. They don't have kids anyway. The left doesn't care about kids. And the, 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 left, the left despises society with children because a society with children means that I prefer my children over the society. And I do. I prefer my kids. I favor my kids over your kids. You favor your kids over my kids. That's the way it should be. And we learn to live in a society where we have our differences based on the idea that I don't want you to hurt my kids and you don't want me to hurt your kids, right? That's how we have a society. The left says all this is bad. We can't have a collective society together unless we hand over our children to the collective, unless it takes a village to raise a child, as Hillary Clinton infamously put it. Okay, final thing that I hate. John Oliver, who is one of these people, there's a whole group of people in American life where they have British accents and so we consider, consider them intelligent. And I'm not sure why this is. I don't know what, what weird hang-up we have in our brains where certain aspects are sort of connected in our minds to levels of intelligence. Like if somebody has a Southern accent, there's a tendency in the media to play them like they're dumb. And if somebody has a British accent, there's an attempt to play them like they're, like they're smart. Okay, well, this is, John Oliver is, is a symptom of one of these. John Oliver, who looks very much like, like Sam the Eagle here, um, Mr. Bean, that's not a bad call, but see, he looks like he to me. He, I'm seeing Sam the Eagle in this particular in this particular photo, and you need to you need to subscribe to Daily Wire so you can see what I'm looking like looking at. He 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 looks like the the Muppet. But in any case, John Oliver is very upset about Brexit. This is Great Britain exiting the European Union. The reason people want to do this is they don't want to be connected with the European Union's immigration policy. They also don't want to be connected with the European Union's economic policy. Great Britain has never adopted the euro. They've always used the pound because they didn't want to be sucked into the great maw of socialism that was the rest of the continent. It's bad enough in London. It's bad enough in Britain. They didn't want to be responsible for Greece's debt. Well, John Oliver is fighting mad about this, and because he's British, we're supposed to listen to him. 
A Brexit or British exit could have wide-ranging implications, both for the UK and the world's economy. And first, it might help to understand what the European Union actually is. The idea for it came after the Second World War, when there was understandably a desire to keep the continent from tearing itself apart yet again. And it has since evolved into an economic union of 28 countries whose citizens can trade and move freely across borders and who negotiate international agreements as a bloc. But despite being a member, Britain has always had an arm's-length relationship with the EU. For instance, it doesn't use the euro, uh, and some British politicians have been openly hostile right to the face of EU officials. I don't want to be rude, but you have the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk. And the question that I want to ask, that we're all going to ask, is who are you? I've never heard of you. Nobody in Europe had ever heard of you. That is painful to watch. And not just because all of those insults are things people in the UK have said about me. And, and look, look, the EU is not perfect. It's large, confounding and relentlessly bureaucratic. Think of it like Gerard Depardieu. It's an unwieldy European body that's a source of great bewilderment. <laughs> but Britain leaving it would be a huge destabilising decision. It is hard for me to overstate to you how poisonous things have become in England. Just this week, MP Joe Cox was killed in the street and the man charged for it gave his name in court as death to traitors, freedom for Britain. And in that cauldron, people are being asked to make a major political decision. And incidentally, regarding immigration, even if you believe tightening borders is what Britain needs to do, you should know that opting out of the EU will not necessarily enable Britain to do that. Leaving the EU, does that mean the UK gets control of its borders? Um, it could do. If we were to completely cut ourselves off from the rest of Europe, we could certainly choose to end migration from the EU. But if we want to remain part of the single market, that means accepting free mobility of labour both into and out of the UK. Of course! Because if Britain wants a good trade deal with the EU, it's probably going to have to abide by most of okay, its so rules. OK, so in any case, he, he's, ripping, he's ripping on the, on the Brexit. The fact is that some of this is untrue. So, when, when, so the fact is, if Britain were to leave the EU, which I think that... At this point, there's a good case they should do. If Britain were to leave the EU, then they could renegotiate their own deal with the EU, right? It wouldn't just be they would suddenly be out of trade completely with the EU. They would just say, okay, we're going to negotiate a new trade deal where there's no mobility of labor or less mobility of labor. And we're not going to take in people from certain countries. They can negotiate the same way that the United States negotiates with the EU. We have free trade basically with Europe. We have very, very free trade with Europe. And so, but we don't accept all of their, all of their immigrants. We don't have to accept any of them if we don't want to, presumably. So... You know, the, but the idea here is that John Oliver knows of what he speaks. I, I will also object to the idea that this this British politician gets killed by a guy who is right wing, and it is amazing how the folks on the left and it's it's terrible. It's a terrible story. Um, it's amazing how the folks on the left are willing to say it's political motivation that leads to that death. But in Orlando, Florida, no political motivation leads to the murder of fifty Americans. That it just has to do with the gun. Okay, well we'll be back tomorrow. There's plenty more to talk about. And I'm sure that there will be more fallout from, from Corey Lewandowski. Apparently, he and Paul Manafort are currently going at it, uh, fighting with each other, which is just amusing beyond all, beyond all measure. I'm sure Hillary Clinton will do something criminal, and I'm sure Donald Trump will say something else that, that puts him in the headlines. So we'll have a show, in other words. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.
While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. 